Welcome back for episode 46 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 23rd, 2016 on Twitch.tv. A big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. What's up, guys? Next up is the third member of our merry little band, our friendly neighborhood spokesman for paying, Steeman Willie Beeman. Brought to you by Full Throttle. We also have Wind of the Stars, or as we know her, Mel, back. Mel, how's it been? It's been good. Just doing cosplay stuff, and I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite topics today. (laughs) I'll just say that. (laughs) bell had something come up that prevented her from joining us tonight but we're hoping to have her join us again sometime soon but the topic of tonight's chat is going to be a look at the lore of the awoken before we get into that however i did want to run through some quick notes our last chat we looked we took a look at the lore of the king's fall raid If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes as well to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. We have also officially joined the Guardian Radio Network. If you're not already listening to the podcast over on theguardiansofdestiny.com, fix that immediately. Guardian Radio and Guardian One are amazing groups and we're truly honored to join them. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the lore of sword logic. With that... Let's go ahead and dive into the information that we have about those who dwell at the edge of the darkness, the last place the light touches, the Awoken. Well, I think we're going to end up getting a lot more about the Awoken because I I think we've had some discussions on it before. We're probably going to get a little bit more in depth now with what we have. And uh, we have some on the Guardian Racist card, Awoken. We have a quote that says, The others sing this song of light and dark. We, together, have transcended such unimaginative limitations. It is said that the Awoken were born in the collapse, descended from those who try to flee its wrath. Something happened to them out on the edge of the deep black, and they were forever changed. Today, many Awoken live in the distant reef, aloof and mysterious, but others return to Earth where the descendants now fight for the city. Earthborn Awoken who venture out to the reef, hoping to learn its secrets, find no special welcome from the reclusive queen. Which, on that note, I'm going to say that when I started my Awoken Guardian, and they're still like, you know, they they pull you over on Vanilla Destiny, and they're like, "You, you follow us or you die. I was like, what the hell? I'm Awoken. I'm one of you. 
And when you actually get into the Destiny world, you find out why. Um, anybody else had thoughts on that one? Yeah, I know um, from one of the GDC panels, just real quick, basic, um, another basic look at the Awoken is from Joe Staten and Christopher Barrett. They described the Awoken as being a beautiful, exotic, and mysterious, and it was kind of modeled off of elves, vampires, ghosts, and angels. And the quote that they used was that was to capture that exotic sort of ethereal feel. So that's where the the sense of that you know elven elven esque nature of the Awoken that a lot of people attribute to. I know a lot of times in the chat. It was made comment that they always are viewed as kind of an elven race. You know, they're kind of apart. They're not part of the the uh, drama of the traveler and the tr- the tower and all that. So that's. I mean, that's I where we're like Khajiit. Yeah, and yeah, there, yeah. There's a lot of parallels to be drawn there too. With with Tolkien elves. Yeah, and, and that's and that's. They but they I mean, like selectively intervene when it's you know when it suits them <laughs> right and but it yeah and, that, and the emphasis on that too because it's when it suits them and it's determined by them not by yeah. it's it doesn't make sense what drives their their involvement yeah i would i would agree with that so we actually do have a ghost fragment on the awoken um, ghost fragment awoken. And these are reports from a derelict vessel boarded in the first known voyage to the reef. 1100 meter length, active gravi- gravity generation, residual heat, fast neutron scatter, designation code corrupted, date of commissioning unknown, origin point unknown. Presumed to have collided slash merged with one kilo- kilometer comet. Assessment based on the depth of the hydrocarbon crust covering the hole. Water content of soil, atmosphere of oxygen and carbon dioxide with isotopic ratios placing the comet in the Oort population. Low-light foliage grown from terrestrial stalks. Mirrors focusing starlight into growth chambers. Resident fauna. Five insect species plus rats descended from uncertain ancestors. Surface. Heavily wooded until recently unknown event event triggering firestorm. 70% of the world forest consumed. Atmosphere laced with smoke and particulates. Free oxygen in short supply. No distress calls noted. No evidence of crew or passengers on exterior. Interior scans inconclusive. Clear to attempt approach. Yeah, this is a very vague card. <laughs> well, and and I know we kind of talked about it a little bit in the chat too, but the the comment of the Oort population, um, if I remember this correctly, again, as everyone knows, wow. I am not like I am not an astronomer, but I think this is in regards to the Oort cloud. Um which is actually a cloud of, if I remember right, it's a cloud of like ice and other objects of that nature, but it's actually well past the heliopause. Um, it's 
well, well, well past um, pretty much everything. Um, and I want to say it is. Let me let me just pull up a definition real quick. Up you got it. You got it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the Oort cloud, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly because it's Dutch. But the Oort cloud is an extended shell of icy objects that exist in the outermost reaches of the solar system. It is named after the astronomer Jan Oort, who first theorized its existence. The Oort cloud is roughly spherical and is thought to be the origin of most of the long period comets that have been observed. Yep. And pins pins just threw that into the chat too. <laughs> so Yay! Yeah, so basically when it says that it is believed its isotopic ratio is placing the comet in the Oort population, it's basically saying, hey, this comet came from the Oort cloud, which, you know, like you just said, it's the origin of most of the long period comets that have been observed. So um, I think the I think another note on the Oort, the supposed Oort cloud is the outer limit uh, defines the cosmographical boundary of the solar system and what's called the the extent of the sun's hill sphere. Um, so in the, inner, the, the point of that is that the outer reaches of the cloud are actually only very loosely bound to our solar system. So there are theoretically easy exchanges from the passing of stars and actually within the Milky Way itself, um, which is why sometimes we'll see comets because that's basically those forces dislodging comets from the orbits within the cloud and careening them into our solar or the inner solar system so but i mean that's i mean other than that so i was just gonna i was gonna speak to how far out the work cloud was it it ends roughly a hundred thousand astronomical units from the sun um an astronomical unit is a unit of measurement roughly equal to 149.6 million kilometers, which is the mean distance from the center of the Earth to the center of the sun. So 100,000 of those. It's very, 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 yeah. very, very far. Not to, not to bore with science. Please move on. Um, another, another thing we'll get into when we start talking about the reef is the the idea of how exactly the reef is made and the the point that i'm bringing here is the um the comment that it says presumed to have collided or merged with a comet keep that in mind for when we get to the reef and how the reef has been formed because that's that's another nod here to to what is going on in this in this area of space but I, I think that's, I think that's everything. So, I mean, really, I mean, other than the really interesting surface was heavily wooded until yeah, Firestar. Yeah, so this, is, this is a ship, right? Yes. I mean, the, we, I think we can all agree on that, right? And they've grown plants and stuff with hydroponics, I'm assuming. Yeah, and I mean, assume, I assume, I, I honestly, I picture the Doctor Who ship, uh, from one of, of the uh, Weeping Angels. 
Well, there's there's a there's a scene within one of the the Doctor Who episodes where they're walking through a spaceship that has a forest that is been basically grown on the ship with the intent to help provide oxygen for the crew. And so it's kind of a natural um, filtration system. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I, I don't know. I kind of picture. Yeah. So this was probably a golden age escape ship. Mm hmm. Well, and also note, we don't know when this is in. So we know that this is the first known voyage to the reef, which obviously it's not the first voyage because we're finding ships. So. But yeah, I think I think that's pretty much Mel. Willie, do you guys have anything to. Nope. No, I th- yeah, I was about to say, you guys pretty much covered all of that. You guys are very thorough. Um, only thing I have to add is Merca. That's about <laughs> it. Yeah, and I mean, and the other thing is no evidence of crew passengers from the exterior scan, and there's no distress calls. So, yeah. So, Merca. But, so, Ghost... So you want to take Mel? You want to grab the the next ghost fragment? I can do that. So this is ghost fragment awoken to. I was nothingness. If I existed before, I existed as a possibility, as potential, stretched thin across the aether. And maybe there was a body that looked like my body, complete with a soul that could be confused for someone rather than like me. What I am now is not real. And then I was born, and the universe was free to begin. Others were present at my birth. A great ceremony had just begun. Because newborns are selfish beasts, I assumed I was the object of attention. I didn't notice the singing until the singers fell silent, and then she appeared. She was above me, ethereal and handsome and elegant. I assumed my face was like her face, and that odd idea gave me strength enough to smile. Secrets, she said. Creation is built on secrets and the encryptions that keep those secrets safe. I made my first sound. It meant nothing, but she understood it as a question. We are beautiful creation, she said, and we must keep ourselves very safe. That's it. So, obviously, it's a good card. It's a great card. yeah, um, I kind of interpreted that as um, this is an Awoken obviously being born in the reef area, if they're in the reef at this point, because we don't even know when this takes place. But um, does anyone get the kind of impression that maybe this is the queen or someone that is within her inner circle that is like, is there? I don't know. This, this seems yeah, kind of I like mean- a very important thing so it's very important because this is an awoken being born mm-hmm. now the question we have here is is this an awoken being born from like you know because we as humans we start out as babies and we eventually grow into adults whereas awoken they have a completely different version of birth like for them birth is them going from human to awoken for people mm-hmm. like mara and the right. crow so whether this is her being born from an adult human to an adult woken 
or, you know, just being born in general as an awoken baby or maybe even awoken aren't born as babies at all. Maybe they're just born as adults. We don't have a confirmation of that as of right now. Um, personally, I lean more toward her being an adult right now. Like I, I see that kind of like a glimpse into what it was like for those, especially with the last card talking about how there was no, you know, talking about the ship, how there's no signs of asking for help or there's just no crew. I kind of see this as early where the Awoken were first born as Awoken Mm -hmm. and her being an adult being, you know, she was transformed into Awoken. She does not know what's going on, but you know, as we have found out about the Awoken, whether or not we know how they're born exactly, we know that not all of them know their birth. Not a lot of them remember their birth. And we'll get into that later, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but this I, Awoken here is talking about her birth into the Awoken world. Go ahead. Right. Um, I I kind of always, in my head canon, imagine the first Awoken were obviously became Awoken. Like you're not you're not born into one, but I, I would like to think that once the, I guess, species kind of evolved more than it was something like, Oh, okay. You can create an awoken, like two people that are awoken can create. But the fact that they're called awoken, it makes me think like, okay, they're obviously awoken from some state. Otherwise, why would they be called? You know, like that's the name that they're called to me always is very telltale of what they are too, you know? So, cause obviously here, she's very much saying like, Hey, I was nothing. I was pretty much dead. It's what I kind of read from this card is that she was basically nothing. And then at this point she was awoken into her, her new state of being just like you were saying, Willie. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Like she's probably an adult that had died, but once again, that that's where things flipped for when we actually had the awoken created as was mentioned early on. Mm-hmm is where they were trying to flee from the darkness on earth and they were caught out there in between the dark and the light, mm-hmm. which is why Mara tells the Kell of wolves, the, the light is my mother and the dark is my father. Exactly. And, and that's a good reason why they would be called the Awoken because we've, we've had this conversation on this podcast, you know, that the dark and the light are two sides of the same coin possibly. Mm-hmm. So with them being caught in the middle, they would probably be the most awake out of all of us. Right. They're able to see both sides. They can almost be considered probably to a degree an enlightened species that they're able to see both sides for their good and their bad sides. So. I agree completely. So the other other thing, no, go for it, Justin, go for it. Uh, I was just gonna say, I've, I've got kind of a, a, a little bit more of a pragmatic breakdown on the way I see the Awoken. When they were fleeing the darkness and whatever happened, whether you want to call it um, a gamma burst or or whatever it is that changed them forever, space magic, I don't care. Um, I think that what happened to them, I mean, you can get all, you know, magical and fantastical with it, but I think what happened to them 
is a lot like a, gen- a genetic mutation. Um, and I think in that moment when the Awoken were first born, um, you know, when I say born, I'm saying figuratively because they were obviously people already. But um, that was just an acquired genetic mutation in response to whatever it was that, you know, mutated them. But then it doesn't say um, the the nature of awoken reproduction anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would love it if it would. But I – and I love it that Mel has a head cannon. I think that's awesome. But, um, <laughs> I'm just picturing a gun on your – never mind. But, um, <laughs> but so – I think everything from that moment on is a hereditary mutation. So right. mm-hmm. you, you've got the the event that happens that changes their you know that group of people that uh, you know that that group. It's an awakening, and then you could yeah yeah you could call it that, but really scientifically it's it's just a mutation. They just became mutated, <laughs> and then as they reproduced, hopefully they can reproduce. I'd like to think that every awoken loss isn't irreplaceable you know what i mean like that Mm -hmm. as a story as a plot point that would really stick you know right right because they're a bunch lost so if we believe that they can yes they can reproduce and they can produce offspring whether it's done in the manner of humans which they started out as or some other way um everything from that point on becomes a hereditary mutation Mm -hmm. i I'm sorry, Blue. You can go ahead. You know, I, I was just gonna. I have. I have a couple. Couple points. Um, first off, we do know. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna double down on the hereditary mutation, because we know from the Awoken card that there are descendants. Um, now, yeah. the question of the reproduction is one that honestly, Dragon and I have gone around and around on before. I mean, I've, I've, we've gone back and forth on this a number of times, but we both agree there, there is reproductive capabilities on the awoken species because there is multiple mentions of descendants for both reefborn and earthborn, and you wouldn't call. So, I'm, I'm gonna kind of go a little bit. I'm gonna pull in a little bit of information out from a couple other fantasy series. So you have things like Shadowrun. You have things like. Um, pretty much any postmodern fantasy series out there, the Dresden files, uh, the, the Chronicles of Shannara, the, um, vampire diary, the, not vampire diaries, the, um, God vampire earth. Why did I say that? The vampire earth series. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking something and yeah. Anyways, any, all of these, all of the postmodern fantasy series follow this very common thing that kind of, kind of stems from an idea that, I think if I want, if I want to say Shadowrun kind of initiated, but basically what happens is an event occurs within human history or the human wow. involvement, and it fragments the genetic makeup, which allows these ra- these separate races to become mutations from the base human genome. And that in a lot of these fantasy series actually refer to this as an awakening of the human genome. It's an awakening of these elements, you know, via mutation, via whatever you know stressor out there and if you're thinking about it like that and again if you look at the awoken as being kind of based off the elven pro the elven archetype it would make a lot of sense that if they are if they are um 
a genetic mutation like what you're saying, that's exactly what happened is their 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 DNA was awoken from this trauma and they became the awoken. Then once that once that initial splinter happens, you know, everything after that is right. It would be it would be a hereditary passing on of the traits just like just like any, you know, evolutionary tract would go. But that's exactly what happens with mutations is that sudden mutation happens and then it's passed on if they survive, which they have. The other thing is is you wouldn't you wouldn't call them reefborn or earthborn if you don't have a process of birth. You know, now whether or not that birth is a natural birth like a human you know, like the the natural process of human procreation, or if it's a a ceremony that you know you take whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to look at this particular card. But the other thing is you have to keep in mind is that the other cards reference those earthborn and reefborn, and you know I can see this maybe being a a mutation of spiritual nature that they take in a, a, an adult human and convert them into an adult awoken if it was just reefborn. But the fact is that we also have earthborn, and I don't really see a lot of humans in the city being completely okay with being converted to awoken when there's not a lot of humans left. You know, I, I, I get the sense that there might be a little bit of animosity towards the Earthborn Awoken if they were converting humans into Awoken in that nature, yeah, it's not right? A religion, it's a race. Well, but know? I mean, but you would have a you would have a genocide like <laughs> you you yeah. would because the human humanity is on the brink of extinction. And then all of a sudden you have this this other species that's like literally hijacking your species there's a survival nature. There's a survival trait there that's going to get awoken, no pun intended there, that's going to get brought up between humanity and the awoken. And that tension, as far as we know, doesn't exist, which makes me really, really strongly think that it's a it's a natural form of procreation. Now that that initial genetic mutation's out of the way, it's now all hereditary. The other point here is that the... The, the comment of secrets. Now, a lot of people, there's a lot of different ways to take this. A lot of people have the theory that this is a nod to Savathun um, and that this is a potential, you know, connection here between the Awoken species and one of the, the three siblings of the Hive. The other possible thing here is remember what the Awoken are famous for, cryptarchy or cryptology. So they are the trainers of all the cryptarchs that we encounter within the game. Every single well, cryptarch they are that all they, the cryptarchs. That's what I was just about to say. Every cryptarch say, that we've the, seen. Uh, the one coming in Rise of Iron, she's gonna be an awoken as well, right? right? Which yeah, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. Hygieia is the is the 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 great library or was the great library of all this information. And what are what are Ingrams? They're encryptions in pure matter to keep things secret and keep things safe. So creation is built on secrets and the encryptions that keep those secrets safe. Creation is built on secrets and Ingrams keep those secrets safe. The Awoken exist almost to protect secrets. Remember what they do with reframes. They don't allow them to get personalities. 
They scrub them religiously because they don't want information getting out. Their entire culture is based around secrets and the keeping of those secrets. And that is, you know, that is entirely the queen's persona is she is an enigma of her. I mean, the Awoken themselves are an Ingram. If you if you really want to carry this wow. out. Right. Whoa. And we don't we don't have the descript the decryption code to decrypt that that Ingram. Hopefully, by the end of the Destiny series, we will have been able to. But, I mean, think about it. Think how Cryptarchs decrypt Ingrams. Also, think who those Cryptarchs are. They're all awoken. What if the decryption process for Ingrams is built into their very genetic structure? Yeah. They're all awoken, and they're all a wee bit snippy. Well, and you know, and then there's the (laughs) well, but there's there's the philosophical (laughs) argument there too between the tower cryptarchy and the the reef cryptarchy, which you know we we talked about in depth. But I mean, that's that's entirely how I read this. Is this this presents to me the awokens the awoken species is an Ingram. That's you talk about my girl Mara like that. Okay, she ain't no Ingram. Very, very, very good analogy, Blue. And I like it a lot because far as I know, we haven't encountered any other species that has been successful in melding both the the light and the dark. Like the light and the dark have always been at odds with each other. So what if the actual Awoken are, are the answer to solving this life? Ex- exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's actually where I was problem. going next. That was that's yeah. actually my next point is you know what <laughs> what if the final decryption is us figuring out what happened to the Awoken because they are the key to us unlocking our destiny as guardians. Right. Or or how mad Will orcs be if he finds that the final shape is an engram? He's not going to be mad at all because he's dead. We killed him already. But it comes out blue. <laughs> it comes out blue. So I mean that's and that's just you know again just my interpretation of this card. But nice. That guy that guy real heavy real fast. Like. Yeah, it did. It did. I'm treading water. That's what blue does. He just drops a bomb and everybody's just like. Well, wow! Didn't think about it that way before. Yeah, you opened our eyes. No. We, I feel, I feel <laughs> awoken now. Oh, I know. It's, it's it's so hard not to say that too. It's like I feel oh, awake. Oh, damn! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so ghost fragment awoken three. You want me to grab this one real quick? I can do it. I don't okay. care. Mel's I can got do it. it. I haven't pulled up. Get out of her I way. She's up. got it. I got. I have a pulled up. I got this covered. Okay. Ghost Fragment Awoken 3. Fear. Fear is the only vivid memory left in me. It's a moment when my fear was so thick and urgent that I gave up breathing. I stopped pretending to think. How I remained on my feet was a mystery because the terror was bearing down on me like a mountain about to crush my soul. But I have to ask, what was terrifying me? Darkness ruled the sky. 
The world around us had shattered and it seemed vanishing, unlike that we would uh, outlive this one awful day. Yet the fear didn't come from the surrounding mayhem and despair. The source was inside my skin. I was utterly terrified of my own awful nature. And which part scared me? Inside me was an essence woven from beyond. Was I awoken before this? She was still on my head. I could hear her song growing fainter. Gone? Not yet. A new crippling terror was taking over. I was focused entirely on my fear, but I had to make an effort. And it occurred to me that nothing in the universe was more dangerous than human hubris. I still had this other within me, but the human side was what mattered. Weak and foolhardy, sure to fail in the next moment. That's why I was afraid. Then someone spoke. Maybe it was me. I don't remember. I was trying to focus, and a new thought took over me. My soul lay between those two entities, and that's how I still am. The boundary, the seam, the friction. I like it. I like that card. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a really good one. The, yes, this, that's she's actually recalling. It seems like that moment, that specific moment, yeah. when she realized that she had darkness coming in to her, and she didn't understand it. But then she was like, "Wait a minute, this this is good. This this is the, there's new things granted to me because of this." But then she's also reflecting on her human nature. Her humans like, well, "Wait a minute, human." human nature, human light nature, you know, that light essence is also good because it helps keep me alive in a sense, you know, like they're, I mean, yeah, they're sure to fall, but that's what's the essence of what makes me feel alive, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, reading this was, I liked it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So. Because um, I mean, what is fear if, if not just a basic survival mechanism? Right. Um, too much fear can be a hindrance and can actually negatively impact your survival. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that it's almost that she like that. she was not afraid. Like one, like you can see this whole entire, you know, ascend, you know, a crescending and decrease, you know, decrescendo down into like, oh my gosh, I'm scared of what I'm becoming. But then accepting that that like, wait a minute, this isn't bad. But then, you know, being afraid of what she's no longer is but then like wait i still am and realizing that i lost my train of thought there you go there you be so hi guys <laughs> <laughs> i i read this i read this card as a dune reference um the the i mean and justin you'll probably follow me pretty quickly here is the i must not fear quote um and the the quote for those who who haven't read dune um I would really suggest anyone who hasn't read Dune read it. But it, the quote is, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. And that's really, I mean, you're. <clears throat> this entire card's talking about, you know, 
when the fear began to fade and you know that's where that's where this this character is is this boundary the seam between these two entities which you know you could you can argue a lot of places is this the human and the other is this the light is this the dark what is it or if it if it is, is it all of them you know again going back to my view of the awoken as an ingram there it almost seems like the awoken themselves are still trying to figure out what exactly they are you know that what what is what is it mean to be an awoken what does that what does that bring to the table if you would for them you know they they view human hubris which is an extremely elven concept but the the view of the human side as weak and foolhardy and always sure to fail that that is where it's it's kind of like you know they they exist within the the mage mage in the chat um this is where they exist is between that friction between that 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 tension between the light and the dark the you know if you want to go so far as to call it good and evil you can, but they, they exist in the shadows between those two. They are not either or, which which also kind of explains to me, and at least in my head, it explains their kind of their standoffishness when it comes to the Guardians. But it also understands that they also understand the depth of the and the danger that the darkness threatens, which is why ultimately, you know, when we get <clears throat> when we get down to the card where Mara agrees to take on Oryx. That's where that kind of comes from. They they understand what that means. What what the Faustian bargain that the worm gods made, the the true nature of that. They understand that because they they exist on the brink. So but yeah, this this card screams screams the the doom quote to me. And for people like myself who have not seen Dune. Um, I agree with wind on this one. It seems like, you know, cause you, you also got to figure once again, this also fuels into my timeline of being this kind of where the awoken are first born, um, or at least close to it. I'm not saying that this is the first woken or anything like that, of course, but the, when the people were fleeing Earth. Obviously, they were scared. We had the darkness coming. People were going to die. Everybody thought they might be one of them. And these people that got caught out here between the light and the dark during this battle, of course, you're going to be scared. You know, you you were just caught. You, you pretty much were pretty sure you're going to die. And then you wake up. Instead of being in death, you're this completely new species. Not only are you completely new species, but you understand that they're the the light and the dark, which is something that we as guardians in game have not been able to do exactly yet. Um, yeah, I mean we've read the books of sorrow. I don't know if that's. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be in game as well. You yes. know, because you do get the grimoire cards in game, so we understand the darkness to the point. I guess kind of where the hive do. But the Awoken have been directly affected by it. They have been smacked in the face on the right side of their, on the right cheek, while the light slapped them on the left cheek. And that's what made them what they are right now. 
And um, so I, I get the feeling that that's once again, what they're leaning toward with these past couple cards. Um, actually all three, I might even go for, it just seems like awoken ghost fragment one. It seems like some more organized birth, you know, compared to two and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I but think it, you could it, say that it, our, our knowledge of the darkness is academic, whereas the awoken have an intimate understanding. <laughs> They got the street grit, you know. They've yeah. been there. They they, they lived it. They had to empty their pockets. Yeah. Where we haven't yet. That's what I was trying to say, Justin. Um, <laughs> Take it to the streets, Willie. <laughs> well, so the, the hood. So are they like the hood rats of the destiny? Oh, like, is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> no, those are thrall. No, no. Oh, <laughs> oh those are thrall. Okay. All right. But no, the Awoken, I, I feel part personally, you know, just from a lore aspect that they're actually the most, well, specifically the Reefborn Awoken are the more knowledgeable out of probably any race in Destiny, like you said, stars right now. Mm-hmm. Um that they know the most just because once again, they have felt the dark and the light at the same time. That's how they were made. At least the, the reef born. It seems like those of us that are earth born, you know, the guardian versions, we don't even remember any of that. Like they do like the, the, the people out in the reef have a specific heritage that they stand by no matter what. Whereas in the earth born awoken that we are, are pretty much human. Or EXO, you know, like like your your guardian does the same thing no matter what, and I don't think that's just a game mechanic. That's that's just lore wise as well. Mm-hmm. If you well, were here on Earth, well, when you had it, a, oh, um, you, <laughs> well, but you're also looking <laughs> at it. You're also looking at a different societal upbringing as well. You know, the re yeah. again, look like at huge. looking. Oh yeah, yeah, but I mean, just going back to Awoken too, there. The reefborn are are raised and bred and raised in an environment that they are secrets. Their job is to keep the secret or secrets, you know, whatever. But that's that, you know, again, like what we were talking about the when the Cryptarch episode, that that is the root of the difference in the philosophies between the earthborn and the reefborn awoken is the reefborn are hundred percent obsessed with not letting outsiders understand or know anything about their culture and and, you know we'll get there when we're getting there when we start talking about the asteroid belt and the reef and stuff like that whereas someone from earthborn they've been raised in the tower they've been raised in that society where it's you know the wolf pack and they they are brought up and the group is better you know the group is a sum of its parts and all this part all this rhetoric that we we kind of even in reality we would kind of associate more with but whereas the reef i mean the reef is well let's talk about the reef real quick the reef is a, a location within the asteroid belt. And that starts, you know, that's where we're going to start with this grimoire card is the asteroid belt. And then there's the quote, the belt is the key to everything. Keep that in mind. 
Um, the asteroid belt is a great band of nothingness, speckled with an unimaginable wealth. Once a treasure trove for Golden Age industry, the belt is now a haunted place where fallen pirates and awoken patrol skirmish along the whispering carcasses of ancient machines. Among the asteroids drift the reef, lashed together from the ruined ships of an ancient exodus. Here the queen rules over the awoken, the farthest known light of civilization. Again, when you're when you're dealing with your, your entire culture is based in this geography instead of the geography of earth which is you know for the most part you can walk outside and you can probably still survive to a degree here you walk outside you die immediately because it's space it's the vacuum of space you you have to rely on each other and you have to keep that together Whereas, you know, with the, with the traveler heading, you know, hovering over the last city, there's, there's a bit of, there's a bit of wiggle room for dissent among the political parties of the city. Whereas here, there is no wiggle room. You wiggle too much, you break something. And if you break something in space, you all die. It's, it's, mm-hmm. and, and you know, that's where that, that kind of brutal ruthlessness of the, the reef born awoken, I think comes from is it's just a survival instinct. They band together because if they didn't band together, they wouldn't be here. I also like the fact that the belt is the key to everything because that ties into my Awoken or an Ingram theory. But I won't. I won't. I thought you were going to go Men in Black with that, personally. Hmm? That's what I was thinking. Men in Black. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you, Bill. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. I, I, it's okay. <laughs> But so I mean, and, and, yeah, I was just gonna say the, the 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 geographical nature of the different societies to me is the basis of the difference in their approach to not only outsiders but themselves as well. You know, they're very you know, and again, going back to the the view of the Awoken as this elven type archetype it it makes sense to me that that is right there mm-hmm. i still see kajit did nothing kajit is innocent of this crime um but right. i do see why you say elven because they are more, one of them like the awoken seem to have powers well specifically reborn awoken that we do not possess and is it every single one of them no but does the tower have Tycoon witches? Does the tower have the queen who can control harbingers? No, this, this is something out there in the reef specifically. These people that were born out there found this technology, found out how to use it. And not only did they do that, but they have their own rituals. They have their own places within their own society that all of them just seem to fit. You know, like we aren't told that, you know, someone's born, they take a look at them and say, this one's going to be a tekun. This one's just going to be a citizen, you know, throw that to the side. Let's get to the good ones. Um, we, We don't have that exactly on paper or anything, but we do have the fact that those out there in the reef, they specifically, they, they all have their roles. They play them well, Mm -hmm. very well. I think. 
Well, and you know, like we're so we're talking about the reef, and you want to grab the grimoire card real quick before I make a yeah, grab it. I've had it, and the thing about the reef card is it says places the asteroid belt, and here's that quote that I was trying to say earlier in Vanilla Destiny. It says, "Intruder bearing one two seven, you have crossed into the realm of the Awoken. State your business, or be fired upon by order of the Queen." And, of course, we know they're talking about the, the great Marisol. I'd say late and great, but her voice actor kind of hinted to her coming back. The fate of those escaping Earth during the collapse was once unknown. But here drifts a graveyard of lost ships. And among them, the realm of the Awoken. Ruled by a queen few have seen, they have long avoided contact with the city. And we know why they avoided contact from the city with, uh, I want to say we touched on it more than once. Like, um, accidentally, the the one we go to now, Petrovenge, she might have murdered some Guardians on accident. It's not like she was like, oh, who cares if the Guardians are there? Well, actually, I guess that's exactly what she did. But in her defense, in her defense, she thought that they could respawn because that's kind of what we do. You know, we die and we come back. But the the, the guard, um, and it's not a laughing matter. I'm sorry, but I, I just kind of <laughs> picture, I picture Petra there. Like, yeah, go ahead and fire. Those guys will come back. Yep. Any minute now. The ghosts will be here and, and uh, what? They're, they're still not back? Houston, we have a problem. Like I, I, that's what I picture when I think about that specific instance. Right. So and I think, but funny. I think the the distance that the reef has played within the city was actually, you know, even before then, because for the longest time we didn't know the Awoken existed. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really until you know they got involved with the whole the whole thing with six fronts that we even really were aware of them. I mean, we, we kind of, we kind of knew they were somewhere out there. We had no idea that, you know, what they really were, what they, you know, did, but they didn't, I mean, and that's, and we kind of touched on that too, is, you know, they don't really get involved with stuff unless it benefits them or unless for some reason they, they cease. I don't know. It's, you know, until, until they find a point, they're not going to get involved in the game. And when they do get involved in the game, you know, they, even then their involvement is steeped in, Secrets and mystery. So, mm-hmm. but I want to say, quick, yeah, on, no, go for it. I just wanted to make a note of where the reef actually was. It's it's actually in the asteroid belt, mm-hmm. which is a real place that we we can actually pinpoint. And the asteroid belt exists between the orbits of Jupiter and Mars. And a lot of the note the notable asteroids in it are actually names from Awoken lore. Like Ceres, Vesta, Pallas, Hygieia, mm-hmm. um, Amethyst. These are Amethyst. That, yeah, Amethyst. These are actual real um, celestial bodies that we can kind of use um, 
to pin down where all this is happening, which is, I, I like it when they do that. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's um, really awesome how they use real life, like place. I'm sorry, blue. No, 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 no. I, I was just going to say it is really how they use like real life places out there in space that, you know, they're, they're out there. Right. And they actually use the game. I never knew these existed until I started digging into the Lord. Well, till all of us started digging into the Lord destiny. It's like, Holy crap. Series. That's a real place. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Go ahead. Blue. What were you saying? Um, I was just going miss. Uh, no, I was going to say it's, it's so big. It was uh, misidentified as a planet several times. Yes. Yes. Um, I was going to say the Vestian web is the heart of the reef and that's built around asteroid for Vesta. These are, so these are just, I guess real quick, these are the locations that we know of within the reef. Um, from various different pieces. We have the Vestian outpost, which is the military outpost that guards the entrance to the queen's realm. Um, the Vestian web, which is the heart of the reef, which is, you know, what I just said, the built around the, an asteroid labeled for Vesta. Amethyst, which used to exist. It was destroyed during the reef wars. Uh, then we have two palace, which is an asteroid home to a major community of the awoken uh, Ten Hygieia, which we talked about in our Cryptarch episode, uh, that is the home of the largest division of the Reef Cryptarchy, and it was actually, it actually was burned. Uh, as far as total destruction, we're not sure. It's kind of hinted at, but we're not 100% sure. And then the last one is 65 Sibel, which is a military fortress and was actually the site of the Sibel uprising that ended the Reef Wars. Um, and I think that's everything uh, we do have. Uh, the Vestian outpost is centered around a asteroid that is labeled 5560 Um And I think that's everything that I know from the Grimoire. Um, and yes, Hurt is putting in chat. The reef is basically a massive biodome, um, which again, this is this is the part that I was saying, remember, when we were talking about the uh, Ghost Fragment Awoken card, when it says that the ship was presumed to have collided slash merged with a comet. Um, that's what this is. It's an artificial reef. If you think about it. we actually have these we actually have these on Earth. We we actually do this on Earth. We build artificial reefs in All the, the ocean. Time. And that's what they're doing. They are building an artificial reef, a reef to catch things and to continue growing space. If they need more space, they theoretically can just, you know, build on the existing. So. And that's, I mean, once again, we don't, the, the biggest thing about destiny lore right now is the fact that this is the first couple of years, the first game. So we are only just learning the beginnings of a lot of things. But this is a reef that we didn't mean to create. It, it seems like from all the lore cards that we have, these people were genuinely just trying to escape, which makes you wonder, you know, like how did Mara become the queen? What made her the queen of the Awoken? Was she the first one that was hit by the dark and the light? Or was she the first one hit by the dark and then the light caught up with her? So because she was hit by the dark first, that makes her the queen. We we don't know answers to all of these questions yet, but
but we we have the geography pretty much uh, pinned down, I think. Um, well, and, let's, and then from yeah, I was gonna say go ahead, the the ghost. We have a couple ghost fragments that give us a little bit more detail about that. But I think Justin, you want to grab before we yes. go in because I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking ghost fragment fallen four. But I think the better introduction to these these more specific fragments would be to talk about the queen, right? To Everyone's introduce the queen. Awoken. Um, <laughs> certainly isn't her brother. Uh, let's see. The Queen. I, I love this. My favorite quote about the Awoken. I'm noble too, O Lord of Wolves. Starlight was my mother, and my father was the dark. Queen of the Awoken is as much an enigma as the reef she rules. It is said that she won her crown through ruthlessness and that she stands as master of the fallen house of wolves in place of their defeated Kel. The city's rise spells an end to the reef's age of isolation. The queen will surely look to this new era as an opportunity, and the city, in turn, must look to her. The reef-born Awoken has spent long ages out on the edge of everything, and they may know the secrets of terrible weight. The queen, most of all. That's a great card, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to throw that in there before I throw any theories in there because I'm going to let someone else go first. Isn't that isn't that the the quote at the beginning? I am noble too, a Lord of Wolves. Starlight was my mother, my father was the dark. Yeah, it's in the it's in the Madraid. Um, when she first. Uh, oh God. God bless America. <laughs> Come on, Justin. No, Either no, way, the say, point is, it, it was in it was in there, and yes, that is what Mara says to the Kell of the Wolves, mm-hmm. pretty much yeah. right before they. It was also spoken dialogue in one of the one of the House of Wolves teasers, was it not? Uh, I th- it was not. I don't think that necessarily oh. quote was off the top of my head. I do know was that the Ghost Fragment Fallen 4 has that quote. Yes, it does, and I have that right here if you want me to go for it. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Mm-hmm. Go All right. It, it's the scatter. This happens long ago, but not too long to matter. Ceres rules the asteroid belt. Ceres is the white queen of this space. 400 million kilometers from the sun. Ceres is round. Round means power. Out here, nothing else in the belt is big enough to crush itself into a sphere with its own gravity. Ceres has its own chemical stars. Shavings of salt and ice that glint in orbit, like a crown. There are other lights, newer stars, newer crowns, warship engines. Another queen is coming to conquer Ceres, because Ceres is full of warrens and shipyards and habitats, because Ceres is round and lucky as a servitor, because Ceres is full of wolves, she wants to rule. Shark fear ships gather in the squadrons and tribes, skiffs, catches, 
the Keller Wolves has fleet gathered here. Oh, this is okay. I got you. The Keller Wolves heard the call. He summoned the House of Wolves to prepare for the great battle on Earth. The salvation of the Kells people depends on the ability to shatter the city. It's a matter of survival. Now the wolf fleet turns to meet the queen. See the squadrons of skiffs wrapping themselves in stealth, cold and transparent, knifing out invisible and brave. See the catches like broad blades and the bright thoughts of a servitor guiding them to battle. See them turning, accelerating, waking up their jammers and their arcans. All right, either way, this is pretty much I'm, – I'm not going to read this whole card because it's really long. But it, it's talking about how when the wolf fleet first goes to meet the queen, I will go to where they actually talk to each other though. So it, it's talking about how they're embracing they're, – they're bracing themselves to fight the Awoken army. And when it gets down to it, the Kel finally decides he can win decisively. Like he's really cocky about winning. He's figuring there's no way in hell this – woman this awoken queen as she calls herself is going to win and that's coming from his mind and he says i am lord of wolves you're an empty thing with two dead souls this is my house these are my terms surrender and i will only take your ships and at that point the awoken fleet cuts their engines they drift the wolves strike elements, torpedo arm skiffs. They they hide under jamming camouflage, you know. And then the queen, she responds, I am noble tool, O Lord of Wolves. And once again, the Kel's feeling cocky. He tells her, You have no line, you have no power. And all the all the House of Wolves feel like they're ready at war. And that's when Mara says that line that was at the beginning of the other card. Starlight was my mother, and the, my father was the dark. And in between that, you know, the servers are picking up something strange. And the Kel, he starts getting scared, but he still tells her, call on them then, and see what help they offer. And she calls on... <laughs> The 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 um, God bless America help me here guys the Harbingers I looked at the end of the card and just tears them apart and the Harbingers are still a really big mystery for us right now we know they're Golden Age tech but if they're Golden Age tech that was built on Earth and then sent out into the the far out here in the reef or we, we don't really know. And we don't even know if these things are sentient yet. We kind of feels like they are, but I don't think we know for sure if they are or aren't yet. Um, but we do know that Mara controls them and she absolutely destroys the, the Kella wolves. I want to say she takes out their servitor right here or at least a few, cause it was a, a pretty big house. Um, anyone else thoughts? Well, this is, I mean, so we have a couple nods here to the exact nature of her ability as well. Um, it's not just the manifestation of a material weapon. It's also a somewhat EMP 
base weapon as well because you know her entire communication is through radio burst um and you also get a nod here you know somewhat on the on the fallen note here that you get a nod that the servitors are able to taste things in the void um the void being here i'm pretty confident the void is not meaning the void the elemental nature of the void but the void of space they actually taste the space and that's how they you know that's how they navigate um kind of the the way i would the way i picture it is a servitor is kind of like a shark it it smells its way through it tracks and scents and stuff like that um and so they they are viewing this as a manifestation and a, a rippling of that space and when she when she calls the harbingers you get a sense that it's not like i said it's not just a it's not just a rocket it's not just a, a plasma blast it's a total across the board assault you see, you know, it says every servitor in the every catch hears it. Every captain and baron roars at their underlings as sensors go blind, firing solutions falter, and reactors stutter. The power systems hum with induction. Stealth fails. Space warps. And basically what that means is that she's not only just, she's not just summoning an, an, a weapon. She's also messing with everything else so it's not just an assault it's also a defensive measure as well and you know we also learn later on that you know within the within the reforce we learn that she is actually capable of doing massive illusions as on top of this she tri- you know later on in the reforce she tricks the fallen or into thinking that she's going to do a repeat attack of what she does right here on one of their asteroids and she panics them so much with this illusion that she actually tricks them into revealing themselves and then has her Mata sweep in and and just mop them up. Um, the the other thing here, too, is that's this kind point, of... Blue. Hmm? What was that? I was just saying that's a good point. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that, that was a really important detail to throw in there. That, right. You know, and the they're, other... they're, everything goes silent on you know, it, it's like you said, a big EMP blast. So, on that note, go for it. Right, and the other thing here too is that we we don't really we don't really get the sense here, but she has she has a she has a coven um, of of entities called Tetuans. Um, and we're going to, we're going to talk about them later because they are a fascinating aspect within the hierarchy of the, the Awoken. The, the thing that if you haven't picked up on the Awoken by now is that it is a matriarch. Um, it is, it is a female led society, which we will, you know, when we get to her brother, we're going to talk about the, the exact implications of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for this card is that it's the point that the Awoken don't have to have a giant fleet to, to bring you to your knees. They, they have a queen and they have, yeah, they have, they have space magic. And the, the thing about space magic is 
it's a really, really, really big gun. So it does. You don't have to have a lot of ships to to make it an even fight. But I, I mean, and that's really that's really the 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 impact of this entire banter between the queen and the Kel, the former Kell of Wolves is it kind of it kind of also sets it up where you kind of get a sense of of her personality really here. And, you know, that leads us into the ghost fragment, the queen. Um, Mel, you wanna, do you have that one pulled up for us? Yes, I do. Sweet. This, this one actually brings us into more of a personal setting for the queen. Okay. Ghost fragment, the queen. For a while, the only lights were the eyes of the witches tending to the cell. The drone of the soul machines echoed through the prison, gas billowed and embedded in the shadows. She entered. They scurried to the points around her, the method of their arrangement precise. The archon priest has been retired, my queen, said the witch to her right. Far from throne and audience, she moved without fear. Any word of Calchas Prime? We still send something among the Anakins. The voice came from behind her. She did not turn to acknowledge it. For the span of a brief silence, she moved between the sealed cells of the wolf nobility with her witches in consolation around her. More of your brother's crows have entered the cauldrons of Rhea. The witch directly before her spoke with a dry buzz. The nine do not approve. She stopped a moment to study the sealed, the sealed face of the cell. The cloud of her breath mingled with a slow exhalation of cryonics. Yes, cryonics. Send them one of our prizes, something to commemorate our mutual victory. And which of your prisoners would you gift? If she paused to think if it only for an instant, send them Skolas, a lovely gesture. Mm. She cocked her head as if listening for a frozen heartbeat and reminded him this. The crows are mine. That's a really good card as well. (laughs) (laughs) Not that many bad ones in this category. (laughs) I, I, this, uh, that whole entire exhalation of chronics, like just uh, that, that, that sense of like this cold, icy, but calculating type of demeanor is very, that was a very good choosing of uh, vocabulary there in that card. I so um, I also like the nod that they give when you know near the beginning where she's like far because she's not in the throne room and she doesn't have anybody other than the coven. She's moving mm-hmm. without theater. She doesn't she doesn't waste her energy, basically. Mm-hmm. And I like I like that <clears throat> that sense that you know she's two faced. And not in a bad, not in a bad sense. She's, she's a politician. She's a queen. Oh yeah. You know, and and this is really, this is really kind of driving home. Everything that we hear from her drives home that point. Mm -hmm. I also love the, the last comment of, yeah, that's nice. They're mine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I actually had to, I had to actually figure out, it took a little bit to what they're talking about. The Ananke's. And that's actually a group of, of you can't even really call them moons, but it's a group of irregular satellites that circle Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
There okay, is yeah. one, like an actual, there's a full-blown Jupiter Jovian moon called Ananke. And, but the Ananke's plural is actually the group of little, uh, you know, planetoid things that, uh, that accompanies that moon. So pretty much he's saying we're they're they're looking for uh Calix prime and they say, we sent something out towards Jupiter and, uh, um, you know, she she pretty much ignores them. <laughs> is is I mean she's operating on a different plane. She she might have you know I, I go back to that quote about um, Ikora where Kate says sometimes I feel like she's giving me or, or what percentage of her attention is she giving or of her mind is she spending on right now? That's what uh, another another geographic mention here is the cauldrons of Rhea. Uh, mm-hmm. Cauldrons of Rhea is, I, I'm pretty sure, is referring to a moon of Saturn, and that is Rhea. Um, and apparently, it's creature. what's that? Either that or an emu like creature. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a cauldron. I don't know. <laughs> All I'm getting. Uh, it's the so it's the second largest moon of saturn um and the ninth largest moon in the solar system which again number nine uh it is the second smallest body in the solar system after the asteroid ceres which we if you remember ceres was destroyed um Mm -hmm. and so and also apparently the cauldron of reyes is associated with the nine in some capacity other than being you know the ninth largest moon it it, yeah so i mean i can go into the historical and the mythological connection between the titan rhea but i don't think we need to wow look at blue passing up a mythological chance (laughs) i'm just i'm trying i'm trying to be nice i'm impressed what I for you right now, Blue. Like, I'm amazed. So, so, um, Blue, do you have the second ghost fragment on the coin? I do. So, this one is... Oh, this is an awesome one. Alright, so, ghost fragment, the Queen 2. You don't have one. The hunter came to a halt in front of the throne, raised her covered face to meet the prince's gaze, No, she agreed. My next death will be my last. I know the feeling, the prince said dryly. The queen kept her expression carefully distant. She sat reclined in her throne, legs crossed, surveying the two figures at the base of the steps. Beside her, where the wolves' guard used to stand, Tetun Shuro and Sadia hovered instead, their jewel-like augments gently humming. To her right, and just before, stood the prince, facing forward, but his body half turned back toward her. "'Your grace,' said the man before her at the foot of the stairs. His voice was soft but strong. When he spoke, the hunter turned to, started to turn her head toward him, then flinched as if someone had shone a bright light into her eyes. "'Thank you for your gracious welcome,' he said. The queen inclined her head slightly. "'Before we begin,' spoke out the hunter, "'I will say this.' She paused, her head tilted up to the throne. The queen waved her hand in assent. The hunter's pale lips tightened slightly, then resumed their usual stony mien. 
Your grace, she said, Shiro and Sidia sifted, a sudden rustling and whispering. The queen raised one finger to silence them. Aldrin's eyes narrowed, but he said nothing. I am not here for you. The queen stared at the hunter, her expression studiously unchanged. I have no wish to play politics. I have no grievance with the city. Not anymore. I have no grand hopes to end the war. For long have I known I will not see its end. I am here for one battle, and one alone. Because it is a battle we must all fight, together or separately. So I will warn the defenders, together or separately. I will do anything, her voice, her low voice shook with passion, to end Oryx. A silence rang in the, out in the room. The hunter kept her head raised, her ambiguous gaze directed at the shadows in the throne where the queen reclined. Then a small, a small smile curved the queen's lip. Well said, she straightened and leaned slightly forward so the room's light fell on her face. So let us end him. Such a good card. <laughs> I think we can probably spend an hour on what three people are in this. Oh God, we already I mean, spent we have yeah. already spent hours yeah. on who this is. I mean, okay, let's let's all just be bluntly honest. We spent hours discussing who one of these people is yeah, because everyone person. else is pretty obvious. Yeah, one pretty bright person. Yeah. Mm. I don't. I, I don't. Hear, who does Mel think it is? The the man in this conversation. The man. Very, very bright man. Yeah, oh, the. Look at. Are you talking about the hunter, or is that what you're talking about? No, no the, the hunter, other. I think we all, I think we all believe that to be Eris. Oh yeah, that's why I was kind of thinking it might be as well. Um, but who are you asking? Do I think is the, the the other the other mystery person, the one with a soft but strong voice. Yeah, who the hunter can barely look at. I mean, you could almost you could almost say that his voice was like a flower. <laughs> but oh, you geez. can't. You're putting me on just, the spot here. <laughs> I was thinking so along with it. <laughs> oh. That would make sense. I didn't think of yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned yeah. Yeah. Who I mean I so really think it is. <laughs> I yeah. I, I now now that you said it, it's like, well, considering that you know that they're working with the reef and blah 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 mm-hmm. and you know all this other stuff that it makes sense that it would be him. I don't know who else off the top of my head it would be and why he would be there. Right. Yeah. So we all oh, and, yeah. uh, Osiris, <laughs> you know, he, he could have been there for the meeting. Like, Pen, you go handle this real quick while we do other. <laughs> and that's, you know, I just I'm love Mel's saying. response. Mel's response. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's literally, just, I, I hear you, could, but I think Osiris would have sent someone not imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, I know. I'm just saying, one day they're going to drop the pain bomb, and everybody's going to crap their pants, and I'm going to be like, "Yes." And I so promise you. Hell, made that call to pay an account. Whoever yeah. you are, I don't know who you are, but I love you, and keep doing what you're doing. Um, you're, you're good people. <laughs> we, we will find out that you are right one day, sir. As um, am I. 
there was a theory that I think came out on maybe the Osiris episode yeah. or the original yeah. Osiris. And and it's it's one of my favorites. It might not have legs. It's kind of far fetched, but it was that this It's got a mohawk it though. This person. Yeah, it was that this person was actually Saint 14. Uh it involves you believing that Saint 14 found Osiris and kind of became his like right-hand man. Um which is but You mean he went into the demon light and he came out brighter? Came out brighter. Wait. Go ahead. Sorry, I just thought something. No, that yeah, that theory is just kind of you. You have to make a couple of leaps in logic to (laughs) to espouse that theory. There might be a dragon that you have to ride over a rainbow. Yeah, it's not quite that. I think we can confirm. It's it's obvious that it it is the Saint Fourteen helmet that says he went into the demon light and came out. I'm I'm being serious. I'm not being a joke around right now. He came into the demon light. And he came out brighter. Right. That was well, the pain then, to So let, whether or not it was Payne himself, thank you, Payne, for being there, that said it. Or it's a song that is sung about Saint-14. Mm-hmm. It would mean that Saint-14 went into a demon light and he came out brighter. And that would give you a reason to believe that it could possibly be Saint Fourteen at that meeting. Right. At the same time, almost every piece of Osiris gear, the trials of Osiris, I'm talking about, of course, says talks about going into the darkness and then coming back to the light. Like a, a lot of the trials gear hints to you went into the dark, but you came back. So, I mean, that means very easily it could mean that Osiris did the same thing himself. Right. As a matter of fact, I want to say one of the pieces said that he did do it himself. Um, And we all know that Osiris was kind of like the toll end of the Vex, except he didn't let it consume him like Tolan did the Hive. And that's just my two cents. So about those yeah. awoken. <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we totally got into the straight up Osiris rant right there. I'm it's sorry. But I, I just Read wanted to say Well, I, so, I love the joke joke about the whole pain thing, but I wanted to get serious there and talk about the fact that honestly at that meeting it was probably either Osiris himself because we do have flavor text where Eris does send an undisclosed report to Osiris in game. And, um, of course, we know that this person was very bright, so bright that Eris couldn't look at him. So that person most likely was either Saint-14 or it was Osiris. And um, a lot of lore stuff has been heading to Osiris, most definitely being alive. We just, he's kind of being incognito right now. Mm -hmm. But the other, the other fun part here (laughs) is we have tech witches, which (laughs) is. Oh, by the way, blue, I I killed me. Tycoon. Yes. I want to say that it's tycoon. 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But they so, have really cool jewelry. Yeah, I was actually kind of looking like that part stuck in my head. Their jewel like augment augments. Oh God, I can't speak right now. Gently hummed, and it's interesting that they call them augments mm-hmm. you know because i think he when you own young you know like okay these are things that have helped alter them or control them so i mean like is it possible that she's able to kind of keep them in like her control with these type of augments that that are there oh, I mean, she you're does. on the same page i am mm. hey <laughs> hey you have telepathy and illusion abilities guess what Clip, clip. Okay, what? now you're allowed to continue. Um, yes. The, the, the interesting thing about the Tekkuns are there are only seven that we know of, um, three of which have been removed from the picture as far as the, the Battle of Saturn, which is the opening sequence of the Taken King. Right. Um, one of those, well, actually, both of those are the <laughs> two that we... Hmm? What was I was that? just saying they could have, they could have went with Mara. Uh, there is that possibility. I don't know about that. Well, anyways, the two that we actually see here is, so we see Shiro and Setia. Both of those are reported deceased at the Battle of Saturn. Um, the other that was reported deceased was Kali, um, which leaves Illin, Lissel, Nasia, and Portia. And if I remember correct, we might get a little bit more into this detail, but if I remember correctly, Kali was actually about to challenge Shiro for the Coven Mother position. Um, and so the seven Tekkuns form what's called a Coven, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit here. But it was it's a very, very, again, matriarchal society here. Um it really reminds me, I, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Forgotten Realms, but it kind of reminds me of the drow in the sense that it's a very matriarchal society that's also elven. They have covens that are kind of the advisors of a royal figure, um, questionable moral situations, and uh, super secret powers. So, if you haven't read up on the drow, I totally suggest the Dark Elves series. But that's that's what stood out for me in that card, other than the obvious mm-hmm. awesome connection to Osiris. Mm-hmm. And you guys say that the, it's theorized that the hunter standing there is Eris, right? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of connections. Um, we know it's a female. Um, we know that she doesn't have a ghost. A hunter. Yeah, she well, used to be a guardian. She used she to no be a guardian. A she no she no longer has a ghost. She has pale lips. She you can't tell where she's looking. She can't look at the other presumable guardian standing there. Um Yeah, I mean there's just, you know, her her usual stony face. Uh mm-hmm. she has a low voice that gets very passionate when she talks about killing a certain hive figure. I mean, there's 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 only so many hints that it takes before it really starts just being like, yeah. There's one okay. figure. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page there. That that's 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 what we're because that's what I was thinking. I yeah, just want to I mean, make sure I mean, we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. 
So, and you know, we had a figure also standing in this room that a lot of people have, uh, polarizing views on, and that would be the queen's brother, the queen's brother top of the card says, quote, I will not sacrifice my birthright for the promise of security. As the queen's confident spy master and deadliest enforcer, her brother wields an enormous power, particularly for a male born in the reef's matriarchal society. Recent reports suggest he may differ from the queen on key matters of strategy, but it remains to be seen whether this grasp is the source of conflict or part of the reason the queen values him so highly. So it's a pretty interesting. I know when I first, the very first movie you see in vanilla with the queen, um, you could definitely sense that tension between the queen and the brother and how the brother thinks it needs to be done this very specific way. He, my impression of of him is that he's like very much like, let's go in right away. Let's get this done. Let's get this taken care of. No, like I don't care what it takes. No messy politics, but you can definitely tell that she's much more calculating that Mm -hmm. she's sits back and looks at all the different pawns and pieces of the puzzle and to see what each person that comes to her has to offer and how she can use them to their advantage. You know, like I, you definitely sense that in the very first cutscene you ever see of the queen ever, ever, ever like that, that one cutscene when you go there and you start asking about, you know, the gate Lord and, and all that and just sticks in my mind so well, especially the way she just speaks very slowly, very few words. And you can see him just getting like, very frustrated about how what she's saying and what she's doing so um it's in in, it's to me it was really interesting to have a you know a a guy that you can tell has a lot of power and is very strong but he's not the one that's leading it's her so um i also like that he does don't touch me yeah 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 (laughs) i'm sorry I'm sorry. That is like, I see a picture of him. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is like your entire personality right there. Don't touch me. You know, I always, I always joke that like with the way how like, how he's so like, I don't know, I could not email, just kind of like, oh, mom, you don't understand. Like, kind he's of that. <laughs> he always reminds me of Davey Hyde from AFI. Like, I just call him. Oh Davey. my God. <laughs> I was yeah, you were correct. <laughs> so there's there's a little a little thing for you guys to digest yeah. and go by now. I, I had no. this picture in my head if anyone was gonna play him in a movie, it'd probably end up being Jared Leto or someone just completely <laughs> just well, a container the reason, of the reason this, I, I yeah. find it other other than the fact that it, you know, is kind of like what I picture his personality to be a don't touch me, is he's a spy master. Do you guys remember what the ability of that exotic armor was? You get touched, made, you go I, invisible. I <laughs> it made Fraggle mm, feel safe. It that made Fraggle feel safe. <laughs> that's, the, that's the exotic perk. Um, I, I still happen to be looking at Marasov quotes, and I actually have the quote from the scene Mel was talking about um, where she says, and I'm going to try to do the like the, the cadence of her voice. It is afraid of the fallen, 
It does not understand that these ones are mine. <laughs> and then there's a really good one from a subsequent cutscene. It says, it has returned and it still has its ball. <laughs> so why is she calling us it? Because we're a, we're a chess piece. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't acknowledge. She doesn't. I mean, remember when her rebuttal from that, from her rebuttal to her brother is often when we guess at others' motives, we reveal only our own. Yeah. And that's an awesome quote, by the way. Um, it, it seems like it's not until after we actually do the deed in the Black Garden that she starts referring to us. She refers to us as guardian. <laughs> she's a little condescending. Well, well she's, she she's views, a queen. Like, yeah, she, yeah, she views well. us. I mean, she literally views us as a chess piece. We just got promoted from a pawn to maybe a knight. Listen, listen, let's let's not let's not, you know, mesh words here. She's the queen of a floating Hooverville. Okay, she's not. She's not. Okay, this is not Paris, France. Okay, no need. She is ourself, and you're gonna stop disrespecting her. What's gonna happen? Hey, she has the harbingers, man. Like, hello, and the tension is like, why? I I'm not gonna want to f with her. Like, that's pretty scary, man. Not Mel. Mel, you tell him right now. I'm just very brooding, like her brother. Um, speaking of, okay, Davey, <laughs> there is a, um, no, but there's a very oh. good <laughs> ghost fragment on the queen's brother, um, where it actually kind of goes into the, uh, the, the crows, uh, ghost fragment queen's brother. The machine had wings and feathers sleek and black as its body, but the feathers were eyes too. Sharp and delicate, and ears that pricked at every sound. The young prince considered the machine, considered its purpose, and his own, and then he called to it. I have a task for you. Obedience was woven into its workings, and so it stopped. Master of crows? Mind the black garden's gate. Follow anyone who passes through. In the name of your sister, the machine vowed, and it went to find its warp capsule just as another came in. But this one flew skittishly, as if to evade its master. The prince caught it from the air. You avoid me? I am tasked by the queen. But you serve me. He let it tremble in displeasure for a moment. Tell me your news. The machine flicked its wings. The prince stroked them flat with slow, assured motions. Tell me your news, he said again. What's the harm? The heart is growing stronger, the crow said. The vexed transformation has begun, and the progeny are stirring. The prince considered this in silence for a moment, and then he wrapped up the crow in his fist and folded its wings around it so that it could not move or fly. He did all this swiftly and with purpose. Carrying the machine, he went to see his sister. She was alone with her fallen guards, sitting before a window into infinity. Her eyes did not leave the universe, but sensing her brother, she said, yes, what is it? There's news to share, he said, and offered the crow in his fist. And I think I've earned the right to share it. So, yes, this is the the Aldrin butthurt card. Um, <laughs> when is he not? 
He did not get CC'd on the email, and he's not happy. He just wants to be in the loop. He wants to be part of Casual Fridays, right? Yeah, he likes Taco Tuesday as well. Um, oh. Yeah. oh, God. So this actually does see they aren't on your your spot on Mel with your with your assessment of their relationship. He, they, you know, it's not all yes, master. You know, he is not. He is not really at one with his lot in life. You know, he would like to be considered a little bit more than he is. Mm-hmm. I, I no, get the it, sense that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. no, no. Do you no, want no. To, I, I always get the sense that since he is her brother, that they should rule as one together. And I always get the sense that he's very upset and doesn't quite understand why she doesn't can you know defer to him or share with him what is going on i definitely feel that mara keeps him very 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 far away like you are in charge of this task this is what you do tell me what you find and that's all i want you to do and i feel like you know it's like but i'm the prince like i should be with you like we should be doing this together as one unit and she's like no 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 sweetheart that is not how this works so uh, I'm gonna have to disagree. Well, Mel, I, really? I, I well, have to disagree. I, I can see what Mel is saying. I can see um, it. I just completely disagree. Um, <laughs> because you have to understand that he is—he is the advisor. He is also the spy master and enforcer, um, of the entire reef. So his entire purpose is the controlling of intelligence throughout the entirety of the awoken realm. And, you know, as such, you know, okay. So there's, there's, there's one important distinction to be made here as well. There are two types of crows. There are agents, the crows, and then there are the monitoring devices. They're the monitoring devices, which is what he has here. He, it's actually like a, you know, it's kind of like a crow, like the animal, and it obviously fits in his in a hand it's enough that he can grab it. And they have these, you know, warping warp. What is it? The warp things. I can't remember what it. What I just just completely blanked. Warp capsules. Um, they are they're surveillance devices, um, and so they look like crows. Their feathered wings are actually basically visual and auditory sensors, uh, which is actually kind of cool, but there's, there's a different type of crow. There's the agents and we actually know another crow. It's Jolian, uh, who some of you might remember from prison of elders, the, the exotic weapon, Lord of wolves, Jolian created that. Um, the crows, the, the actual people, are members of the entire intelligence network of the reef. And that entire network is led by Aldrin Sov. That's where he gets the title master of crows, not just the, the surveillance devices, but also the spies, the intelligence network and probably other wet work duties. You know, you have covert messages, emissaries, and you probably, I mean, it would stand a reason that these are the, also the guys that get rid of problems. Because of that, you can't 
he he's annoyed. I can sense the annoyance, not so much because he wants to quote unquote rule, because remember, this is again the society that's driven by a matriarchal process. It's it's not even gonna it, it probably wouldn't even be programmed into his head to think that he would ever rule. But the problem is is that he can't do his job if people are keeping information from him. His entire purpose is to find out the information that's being kept from them. So when his own queen is keeping information from him, it is undermining his entire ability to protect her and to give to do the job that he has been assigned to the best of his duties. That's where I feel the tensions coming from is he's like, okay, you tell me you want me to do this, but then you go off and, you know, it's like, it's almost more of like, hey, look, stop being the spoiled little princess that you think you are right now on this one little aspect. It's not so much a power struggle as much as it's like, I can't protect you and do what you need me to do if you won't let me do what I need to do. Right? Yeah, I yes. can definitely see it, Lou. I can um, see that. It still feels like Ultron's making a play for power, though. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I, well, he, if he was making a play for power, he would have, he would have, in the aftermath, he would not have tried as hard as he did when no one is surveying for a connection with his sister. He, he panics well, he, in the aftermath. Of course, he wants Mara there. Yeah, yeah, obviously he wants Mara there. But, like, in that point, that that's a completely different timeline. Like, in this timeline where this is, I want to say, before she even tried to offer Skolas to, uh, to the Nine. Yeah, this is before this is before the yeah, the, the, the yeah, this Civil is before War. all of that. So let let's rewind real quick. And I mean, at this point in time where this card was at, you know, this could have been I mean, I, I do agree with you at the point where Aldrin's like, Hey, this is my job. At the same time, I think he expects he respects to a point the matriarchy. If that makes sense to you. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's like, Hey, listen, I have my bird. I know that you said that the crow shouldn't tell me, but you probably should tell me like everything right now. he, He didn't say that to the queen. He said that to he his servant. Exactly, but. He he I mean his words were he he caught it, he caught the crow, and he said, You avoid me. And the crow's response is, I'm tasked by the queen. And his his response is, but you serve me. So his his entire problem isn't that the queen technically went around. I mean, his entire network is at the bequest that the you know the the whim of the queen. That's entirely, and I don't think he argues that at all. I don't get the sense of argument in there. His entire problem is is that his servants are trying to skirt around him when they should be telling him. I mean, it's it's entirely the he it, it it's entirely the intelligence network. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I mean that's that's where I think the frustration is is like. He's like, no, I don't care that you're telling certain that you know you're telling my crows to go do stuff. That's your right. But the problem is, is that they're avoiding the chain of command when they come back. 
they don't loop me in into that information. Going off what we have access to in the game, the character of the crow does not seem to be making a play for any power other than the sense that it's tr- he's trying to enable his intelligence network to be the best service to his sister as possible. I mean, can we can we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I, I think so. I, I still think he has just a slight, not that he thinks that he should be on the ruling, but like, hey, I'm your advisor. I feel like you should be looping me in and then seeking me and taking my advice more instead of just like telling me to do tasks. That's how I kind of see how he's so grumpy all the time. Yeah, but yes. So a little bit of both. Yeah, I appreciate that's what Blue was trying to say. A little, a little from column A, a little from <laughs> column B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, but I mean, let's let's go to the, the you know the aftermath, which is another view into the Queen Aldrin's you know personality too. Here, um, Mel, you want to grab? Do you have the aftermath pulled up real yes, quick? Yes, I do. Awesome. I actually pulled them all up. I'm just oh, going to put okay, that out so, there. All right. <laughs> so um, the aftermath quote: "Do not fear, brother." This was the only choice I had. The sound of her voice ripped him from sleep. He jumped up. His ship was still contained in, um, in its protective sphere. He tried to react. Uh, sorry, God, I can't speak at the moment. He tried to retract the shield, but it was locked to its initi- uh, in- initiation time. Uh, he couldn't remember activating it. Then he remembered the battle, that blast. What the ship fired was ancient not bound to anything the origin libraries even sought to describe. He tried to calm down. He thought of her searching for her pull, but he couldn't find it, but he was not calm. She was always, she always told him she would always be there behind the calm. All he could hear were echoes of that sound. It began as soon as the hit, uh, as they hit the ring plane ringing in the old glimmer of his long buried self. Before she showed him who he was, in the before and the after. The tycoons should have known that a dreadnought could do. Must have known. Did it not feel what he felt? Hear what he heard? And that damn catch, it wasn't protected. They had to have known that. All to deploy the harbingers. They barely got a foothold before the weapon was fired. He thought of Petra and how overwhelmed she must be, forced to hold her posts and watch her people perish. He tried to calm himself, forcing long breaths. He realized where he was, Mars, Athabasca, the Kandor Isles. He hadn't been long, been here long, so not since he found the Black Garden. The countdown to the shield's deactivation pulse. He tried again to home in on her, to find if she truly gave herself for this battle. He felt close to something, a hum of starlight. Then shield deactivation broke his focus. He climbed out and saw the damage of his ship. The troops of the Armada's devastation sunk in. He turned in despair to find hundreds of crows drones deployed on Mars long ago, circling his ship, waiting. Welcome back, Master, the one closest to the him spoke first, and the others followed. A wave of salutations echoed through the dry sea, and with that hope returned. Bring repairs to the ship immediately. Something has gone missing, and you will help me find it. 
So, so yeah. Yeah. I'm going to assume that this is the whole entire time right after the dreadnought went pew, 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 and kind of <laughs> took out a huge part of the Armada. <laughs> so. I also want to point out that he got his butt kicked far. Yeah, I, I, you know, to be honest, I have never read this Grimoire card until this very moment. And I was always the under the assumption that he was also one of the ones that perished during that huge pew, pew, pew from the dreadnought. <laughs> but um, apparently not. So he's ended up, you know, down on Mars somewhere. So, so that before I knew about this, again, Mel's hand cannon, which is not always based in fact, this is just from what I, the little bit of information that I have at the time that she knew what was going well, like what was going on and decided to like, okay, I'm going to use my ability and I'm going to make the whole entire fleet just go scatter everywhere and save us and make it look like we were destroyed, but we're not really destroyed. That's just a whole JK. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, and that is actually I, a theory too. There, there's yeah. a number because th- that nods back to the Reef Wars and the Tetune's right. illusion. And it wouldn't make sense if, I mean, like, if you think back to that, the previous card and how Mara was sending crows out to go do things and he was mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, what the hell? It would then make some sense that he when he finally came to and he you know he's realized where he was he has these crows around him with all this information and it could be possible that mara sent all these crows to him it's like hey this is what's going on i know i didn't tell you at the moment and this is why so but i also really want uh, more information on the origin libraries uh yeah yeah Are, are these that is absolutely necessary yeah it's, it makes me think of the Awoken's version of the world's grave. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. But, yeah. So the origin I, I, libraries are something that you think the, the, oh God, I can't even think of the word. I don't know. Stuff, reasons. Well, the reason reason why is because he says when the ship fired, what what that ship fired, you know, speaking of the dreadnought, was ancient, not bound to anything the origin libraries even sought to describe. So this is, you know, this is obviously, we know from the Books of Sorrow that the dreadnought is, you know, eras in age you know like it's in and oryx is obviously millennia old you know and so this is something that has existed before any of us as far as we know there's a couple theories that we're not going to get into on that but the the fact is is that the origin libraries aren't even aren't even seeking to describe something that could be potentially bound to something that would explain what that was I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is to put put into your, you know, this is to describe to the reader the scope of the difference that the hive have when compared to the us, to us and the awoken and the exos and the human. I mean, we are mere blips on the timeline compared to the hive, and mm-hmm. 
But that being said, you know, what are the origin libraries? Are those part of the, the you know, libraries of Hygieia that were destroyed? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like they're still, you know, accessible, which also would point to a theory that the libraries of Hygieia are not actually destroyed. But what are they? I want them is basically my response. I would also mm-hmm. like more information on everything. But yeah. well, yeah. in course. time, <laughs> in time, that's, that's not broad. You at have all. not like, <laughs> more information on everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's like one of the big things that stands out for me in this card is the the origin and, and libraries. You want more information on everything. Yes, I think we all do at this point, Blue. Yes, like I would like more pieces so of the puzzle. Much. Uh, we all would like there there's so much yet to be explained to destiny and uh, in each topic it's not just one topic like look at us with the awoken here there's so much that we have and at the same time there's so much we don't have like it's so torn and i i can't wait till they actually flesh this all out yeah personally now The other thing that we get here is we do get a sense of something related to the Harbingers. We do know, apparently, they can't hold up their shields when they deploy the Harbingers. Did you guys catch that? Yes, all to deploy the Harbingers. Yep, they barely got a foothold before the weapon was fired. And then, you know, he's like, he's thinking of Petra and how overwhelmed, you know, and all this stuff. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, he's, he's... he also has a sense of the telepathic connection to the queen, which seems to be every awoken to a degree, but his is a little bit, you know, a little bit above. I, I kind of attribute that to a sibling connection. Um, but I, I don't know, like it just, there's so many things. Well, you should, because um, he does say in a specific instance that she told him about his birth which obviously not every Awoken remembers their birth, but she remembers hers and she remembered his, which also filled him in on that. Right. Which also begs the question of if they're biologically actually related. I've always wondered that if they're actually brother and sister, brother and sister by DNA, by blood, Mm. or if they are brother and sister in the sense of from when they were Awoken. Right. And it's hard to tell Um, right now. So one thing that was always that's interesting for for me is the very first line of this car, the sound of her voice ripped him from sleep. Is that to allude that he was dreaming and all of a sudden her voice came into him in a dream? Or is she actually in another dimension or part of the world that actually is like, hey, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's time for you to wake up, like do the thing. You know, because they do have that that connection, you know, like if that connection is as strong as we think it is, is it possible that she is still some other place and she's relying on that that psychological psychic connection with her brother to let him know like, hey, you know, it's it's okay. Like, I, I know you don't know where I am right now, but I'm, you know, so far away that the connection is not as strong as normal. And therefore, this is all I can tell you. So, because that obviously the very first quote, the only do not fear, brother, this is the only choice I had. This is something that would have been told to him 
after the fact. So either he's imagining it and it's in, in, it's in a dream that he had, or she is still alive and letting him know after the fact, like, this is, the, this is what's going on. Like, I'm sorry, this is the choice I made and I'm sorry, I'm going to make you worry about me, but you know, things had to be done. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll say I completely with you agree, Mel. I, I, I understand where you're trying to come from. Um, it definitely seems like she is the matriarch, as we've been discussing. That's that's what the whole awoken race seems to go to as a matriarch. She is the queen, well, specifically the the reefborn. So she rules all. And then we have, of course. Aldrin here, and you, that card you just read, just, it screams kind of desperation almost to try to reconnect with her, if not desperation, you know, and um, it, it shows how much he depends on her. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he definitely feels like he needs Mara in his life, or it's not going to be complete. But most importantly is the fact that he feels like he can find her because, you know, he, he's like, he tells the crows to build the ship. Yeah, Yeah. find something that is lost. And he (laughs) he doesn't say like, oh, we have terrible news. We need to let everyone else know. He's like, oh, something is lost. We need to find it. So to me, that kind of just like, hey. All right, we know she's around somewhere, but we have no clue. So, and that was kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you want me to read the coven? Card? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we talked. There's, there's been a couple mentions of these mysterious creatures, um, yes, called the Tetuans, and those, yeah. The tycoons, tycoons, sir. Tycoons, whatever. All right. All right. I'll I'll go ahead and and read. Um, The coven. I. uh, Oh, jeez. Wow. Maybe I shouldn't be reading this. On the eve of war, the chamber was dark. The seven of them were rarely in a room together anymore, but this was the eve of their greatest journey, a plan that overcame death expanded universes they were all connected in trance commuting as the ancients did speaking would trip their hand to the harbinger's mind they they kept here trophies from an ageless war and weapons in the right hands quote oryx could kill her if she holds on too long sedia offered through the silence fearing that was to come we took an oath long ago, obedience even in the face of defeat. Naskia dispensed fear. Only a defeat here, now, not there, then. Ilian wandered between the two sides of the three. The amulet around her neck marked Ilian as the coven's mother, granting her visions beyond the veil. Places only the queen could go. So we hope. Callie had long sought the power of the amulet, but the Tetuans are taught not to desire. Our queen awaits. Lysile, is that how you pronounce her name? Lysile attempted to end the challenges. There was a little time in a war to fight. 
So now the decision is nigh. The harbingers, which to prepare. Sura was determined to see this all through. Excitement was taught to be kept at bay. We cannot send them all, Portia reminded. All but one, the oldest. It stays with us. Sedia, Callie, Shiro, take the children. Tell her they are to be plan, are planted into a dead thing to have children of their own. A plan behind, uh, a plan hid behind Lillian's eyes. But Tetuans do not share their eyes with others. What if they are not wise enough for the dreadnought? Ilian turned back to the source. Sidia, do you not have faith in our queen? So much information. So much information that actually causes more questions than it answers. So, so I, I sense I sense blue. You're just like waiting. Oh my god! Waiting to get in tech this. witches. Right, tech witches are so cool. Okay, so I sp- I misspoke a little bit. Shiro was not the coven mother. Ilian has always been the coven mother. Um, we get confirmation here that one of the augments that they have is an amulet. Now the information on that amulet is somewhat vague but we do know that first off amulet marks the coven mother second off it actually allows them to pierce the veil where normally only the queen can go so there's a nod there that the queen has powers above that even of the normal or even super normal awoken um and the coven basically are the keepers of the harbingers which i'm not even going to start on that conversation right now but the the fun thing about the tech witches as i love calling them is the just nod to actual witchcraft they they have a coven they keep their numbers to a number of you know very nuanced meanings seven um, they won't meet each other's eyes. Now, that that doesn't sound like a big thing, but anybody, and the only reason this stands out to me is because I've been rereading the Dresden Files, and this is a huge thing with a lot of, like, I would say, I want to say, like, modern slash postmodern fantasy um, is the importance of the eyes. And even in some, you know, historical fantasy stuff like that, not historical fantasy, but, like, fan, like true fantasy and other universes the the importance of connection via the eyes because remember the eyes are usually viewed as windows of the soul when you're talking about a magic user that is a very important thing it's almost as important as knowing a thing's full name or true name in in the reason that it reminds me of the dresden files is because it's i think it's called seeing when a when a wizard or a witch or a warlock or any of the magic users meet the eyes of another, they actually see the real person within those eyes, and it's seared into their brain. They can't forget it. That's kind of how I get the sense here. They don't look at each other's eyes. And if you actually look at the grimoire card for these, for the coven especially, you'll notice that their headdresses actually cover their eyes. They they literally do not meet eye to eye with anything you also get the sense that the coven is trained and imbibes them well not imbibes imprints upon them the sense of calmness which we just got done talking about in the aftermath card you know where he's like i'm seeking the calmness i'm seeking the calmness because she will be there behind the calmness 
this is another sense of that meditative state where they can actually access their magical capabilities, which, you know, we don't know the source of that. Could that be because of the augmentations that they have or are those augmentations, you know, like what we were talking about, a control chip? Not really sure. We do know that at least one of the augmentations, the pendant, allows one of them, which now we know that the another one in, well, Kali sadly conveniently died, but there's there's a power struggle even within the coven. You know, they're not they're taught not to desire this sounds like a you know a Jedi council type thing. But when we also know that they train other awoken. Uh we will talk about that when we get to Petra, because Petra is actually a student of the coven. Um I'm trying to think anything else that just uh, shouts uh you know, the information on uh, the Harbingers, we can go probably hours on this. The, <sighs> yeah, I'm not even going to touch the Harbinger <laughs> thing. Because literally it's we could end up going hours oh, on that. Um, the first part of the card, um, they said their greatest journey, a plan that overcame death and spanning universes. That's kind of interesting and leads more to the possibility that they're not, they're not actually dead. They're somewhere else. They're in another universe. They're yeah. wherever. Um, maybe an, an ascended the, place. It could be. Um, just because it's the it's a plan that overcame death, you know, death, but they're mm-hmm. actually death. They just made it appear that way. So, and it would be a great journey if, if they actually figured out how to become ascended. So, the other the other thing that you know strikes me is, um, so we know that they have a plan to overcome death right we also know from some of the ghost fragments that the awoken are born to the sound of singing well we have another figure in another race that transcends <laughs> death via singing <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's just the, the, there's um, a lot of parallels. There's tons of parallels. We do get, we do get confirmation that harbingers have sentience here as well. Um, because of the second paragraph, uh, there is a thing called a harbinger mind. They, that they keep that would assume it assumes that it, it controls and they, the the information that we have for the Harbingers really is that they're trophies from an ancient ageless war. You know, an ageless war is a war without end, which we've also referred to before. Um, and they could be weapons in their right hands, which begs the question, are they necessarily weapons or are they like the Vex? Are they just being used as weapons when they're actually technically for something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the latter is probably. Yeah, I, I I do too as well. Yeah, yeah. They're something incredibly ancient that we use as what? Well, they use as weapons. 
Yeah, I mean, I know, I and mean, they refer they refer to them as children because they need to be planted into a dead thing to have children yeah. of their and own. I think I think they're still ancient, and they're just children relative to the other harbinger. To the other harbinger, you know. Yeah. I have. Oh Lord, I just made a really weird connection. And I'm looking up something to confirm it. So keep talking. I'll be right um, back. There's the more we more I read, I've been keep rereading this card over and over again and, and digesting a little bit of more information. But I noticed earlier, obviously, that there's so many parallels between the awoken and parts of the hive that it's 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 crazy (laughs) um like blue just said the singing and to me the the fact that the hive are also a matriarchal society is really interesting and then the awoken are a matriarchal society so it makes me wonder like what parts of the darkness have have granted certain abilities that you see here so um with the awoken okay yeah yeah, it's strong parallel yeah creepily so like unsettling so you know like not i can remember when i first read that card where the witch before i was aware of the coven and all everything else i just remember reading that card with the queen and it says that the witch with the glowing eyes was behind her. And I was like, ah, collusion. You're, <laughs> you're clearly in bed with the hive. And I was like, oh, but you have your own witches. Okay, never mind. That's not near as interesting. <laughs> so, But yeah, there are parallels to be had. What do you got, Blue? Oh, there's so many connections. Um, okay, so on the first connection that I was actually just looking at. Um, if you take the comment about, and this is going to be the last bit of my harbinger descent into madness. Um, and these are all theories. So this is nothing like super well grounded in anything other than just my brain connecting a few random quotes, but it says, tell the, tell her that they are to be planted into a dead thing to have children of their own. So first off, that for some odd reason, that made me think of Zer. And we know that Zer was a there's a comment from Zer that we get, and he says, We came up from the dust and burrowed into flesh for warmth and became something new. But it was the nine and then another quote that says, But it was the nine who gave us purpose, and it was the nine who kept us whole. And then he he keep, he keeps talking about like how they came up and they burrowed into things. And they became something new. And there's there's a potential connection right there. Um, and there's a... I don't really know where that was going other than a connection to Xur. And he is technically a Jovian. Um, which is around this area. But then there is a even more interesting connection to, again... So remember, t- plant plant the children into a dead thing to have children of their own. If you remember back in Books of Sorrows, uh, verse 1-3, the oath, Sithona, who becomes later Sav- Savathun, has an oath, 
And she says, I will take back my home and eat the mother jelly. I will raise my spawn on the corpse of the helium king. So literally, she will raise her children on a corpse, you know, like planting a child in a dead thing so that it can be raised to have children of its own. Um, we also know that later Savathun actually hides within the dragons and will, you know, embed agents within other living things to hide among a race. And I think that's the harmony. If I remember that off the top of my head. Um, so there's a lot of connections with the harbinger and Savathun and maybe even a connection with Zur and the Jovians a little bit, depending on how far down the rabbit hole you want to go with that. So like I said, that's going to be where I leave the harbinger madness because otherwise I'll be here for hours. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the Awoken Guard? Yeah, we can we can talk about the Awoken Guard, you know, to to uh to break me from my madness. No, no, just because there's another class uh in the or title in the Awoken hierarchy we haven't really talked about. Oh, that is yeah, that's Yep. Paladin. Paladins. Uh, Paladin. So paladins are like military commanders in the in the Awoken scheme of things. In all military matters, the Queen's commands are carried out by her seven paladins. Again, the number seven. Four command the Royal Armada, including the Corsairs and the Vestian Guard. Um, these are Abrazir, Kamala Rior, Halim Finn, and Leona Brill. Two command the Royal Army, including the Reef's battle stations and military installations. That's uh, Pavel Nog and Devi Kasi. And then the seventh paladin commands the Royal Awoken Guard, whose primary task is to safeguard the Queen in any and all matters. This includes threats not only to her person, but to the Reef as a whole. As such, the Royal Awoken Guard work closely with the Queen's brother, the Master of Crows, um, Prince Aldrin Sov and every guard member is trained in espionage and, dis- and diplomacy as well as in firearms and hand-to-hand combat. Um, I and, do do want to very quickly update that listing um, because yeah, we had well. we had a couple who died in the Taken King. There's a vacancy, is there not? <laughs> There's a vacancy, if you would. Um, so of the four that lead the Royal Armada Armada, which is basically the Space Fleet, the Corsairs, and the Vestian Guard, which is all the ships that fly around in patrol. Um, of that, only Halim Finn and Kamala Rior are left alive. Abra and Leona both died in the Battle of Saturn. And Im- there is actually another one, Imogen Rife, who we learned of from the Reforce. There's actually a weapon named after Imogen. Um in the Royal Army, which is basically the soldiers, the battle stations, and the military installations, um, the only paladin left alive is Devi Castle. Uh, Pavel actually died as well in the Battle of Saturn. And then that brings us to the Roy- the actual Royal Awoken Guard, Yasmin Eld. Well, you guys might recognize Yasmin. They're dead. And we actually have a sniper rifle named after them from the mm-hmm. the Taken King or the King's Fall raid. 
So yes, she was defiant. Yes, which I mean makes makes sense. But yeah, that, yeah, I mean that's my only update, and that was that was simply because this this card was added in the House of Wolves, and so those updates were from the Taken King. But I don't think we've ever actually seen a paladin. Unless not you want to count Petra as the seventh paladin. Yeah, but she's not. She's the Queen's Wrath. Well, no is is she still in Taken King? Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Petra. Yeah, she's still wow. considered the Queen's Wrath. Um, but doesn't she command the the Royal Woken Guard? Um, she, let me make sure I'm, I'm just making sure she's not wearing two hats. Well, she kind of is, uh, because I'm she's trying to make she's, sure we haven't seen a paladin in game. That's what she is the acting if regent. It's not her, the answer is no. Yeah. She's the acting regent. So she basically is, um, taking, okay. so she, she takes over as the she acting regent commander. Queen. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> which is causing a lot of strife because the the tech witches don't really like her or they don't they don't report well to her and then Varix is trying to assassinate her and you know all that fun yeah. fun stuff <laughs> so that kind of uh that that kind of Covers that. I think the Prison of Elders is kind of its own thing. Yeah, I mean, the the note from the Prison of Elders that we should bring in here is really that it's a it's an enigma even within the Reef because of the nature of the prisoners that are being kept there. Not only just being kept prison there, prisoner there, but also who are actually being tested on, as we learned from the Taken King, uh, the April update, because the the Tech Witches and um, Varix are kind of poking around the Taken, trying to figure out how they're getting their powers, um, which gives you kind of a sense that they're doing that with the other, which would make sense. You study your, your opponents. Um but yeah, that that was really the point of the Prison of Elders. There's not really, not really anything super that we haven't already talked about. Uh, the Prison of Elders, the Reef card, is Cade Six's view of it, and basically reiterates that the Queen Queen is really good at politics. Um, I think that I mean that was really the basic information that you get there uh she yeah he well he he goes he and very end he says whatever happens i want you to remember that she knows more than anyone else i've met how to set one foe against another so she makes machiavelli look like a bumbling child um i'm trying to think did we have any other group we have silver I'm trying to think. The cool thing about silver was that it was Ingram-like qualities, but they were coins, um, which basically is a it's a really cool little trick. They could be digitally signed with an individual person's key. So, like a piece of silver, you could actually personalize it in a way. Um, 
because remember ingrams are programmable matter like glimmer but it's you know so that was that was really the cool thing and um we know that the the grimoire card for silver confirms that the reef had settlements before the collapse um so there was that information dropped as well um I'm Which not really probably early early dead orbit members. Well, uh, I yeah, I mean, no, because the factions wouldn't have existed before the collapse necessarily, and also I would I would view them more as researchers because remember you have Clovis Bray uh, pushing on, out on Mars. We have the supposed location of the Deepstone Crypt on Europa, which is in that area. I mean, your researchers, and then you also have the um, the entire concept of Ingrams and Glimmer and all this other stuff that were coming that was coming about at the Golden Age. So it would make sense that the Hygieia libraries, which seem to be the repository of all the Cryptarch or Cryptarch's information would be the maybe birthplace of the Ingram, um, which we know that one of the Bray members actually created the Ingram. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it was Elsie. I'm wanting to say that was who it was. Give me one second. <clears throat> But I want to say it was Elsie Bray that made up the concept of it. But yes, the Brays were all over this stuff. Ah, I can't find it at the top of the, at the moment. Yeah. I want to say it was Elsie. I want to say? But, um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like, I'm scrambling over here. I'm like, I'm, I know I've seen this. Um, it was Elsie or Willa, I think. It was one of the two of them. Um, yeah, Willa. Dr. Willa Bray. Uh, from In Good Temper, which is one of the quests, says the u- unique data static structure of relic crystals inspired Dr. Willabray to develop the first Ingram matter encryption techniques during the Golden Age. So, again, another connection to the Bray family, um, which, you know, hopefully we're going to be getting some information on them in the Rise of Iron. I think that's all been confirmed that we're getting more Clovis Bray. Clovis Bray information dropped. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that. Um, other than that, we talked about the reframes and about how they just confirmed the, the obsession with secrets. Um, it's worth noting that the Awoken's frames are the only ones we've seen carry weapons. Yeah, which actually kind of makes me sad because the frames would seem like, you know, I know 
there's a lot of hearsay about the original purpose of the frames um, being like a military police f- force within the tower. I think that would been I think that would have been pretty cool because it would have made sense. But well, it makes more sense out in the reef because it's the Wild West. I mean, the tower is a lot more secure than say. Yeah, the but it's outposts. so weird because the reef frames are scrubbed so they don't get personalities. Like I don't, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, because you don't want the, the well. Yeah, that's fair enough. Personality. That's true. That's true. Have you watched the? the yeah, no, short? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I realized that's where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I have any. Oh, I did have. I did have a note um, on the Akia Waits cinematic that we were talking about, where she calls the oh, ghost yeah. a ball. Um, I did have a note there. The The dialogue kind of hints that the Awoken are not fully aware of the range of the transmat abilities that the ghost has. Uh, because if you remember that whole thing, there's an entire piece when you when you come back from killing the Gate Lord, there's an entire conversation where they're like, oh, you didn't do it. You know, a coward running away is a valid strategy, ignoring the cowardice of it. And then uh, the ghost is like, oh, no, we killed one. And then he transmats the head. Both of them act mm-hmm. surprised. They they are not. A, they it, it kind of seems like they're not fully. They they know what the ghost is, but they don't know the full capabilities of a ghost, which makes mm-hmm. sense because they're not, you know, in the tower or anything like that. So I did. There, there are things that they do not know <laughs> is my is my point on that one. Um other than that, I'm trying to think. That's interesting because I never, I never read that situation that way. I always read it that they were like, you know, trash talking and like, oh, you didn't do it, and then, and then you showed proof, and they're like, oh snap, oh snap, we, you know, we're. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always read that they're like, oh, they actually brought it. <laughs> well, wow. you just put us in our place. <laughs> well, like, so I'm going to pull the transcript just real quick because uh, it's like it says the guardian enters the queen's throne room. And, you know, that's the whole it's alive and it still has its ball. And then Aldrin's the whole it's there's no shame right away. Um, they they exchange looks of confusion when the guardian responds. We didn't run. And then she asked Aldrin, was no gate lord slain, brother? And he says, oh, we slayed a gate lord. And then that's when you transmat the Vex head into the throne room. And there was this kind of like, hmm. And then and then they, you know, they kind of quickly go into the like, oh, they don't even know where it is, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all that little kind of thing. But the confusion and then the kind of the sense of, oh, you can do that is what I was kind of going off of there. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, it, it almost, yeah, I can read that as a taunt, but I, I don't know. Like the, I, I, I can see that, yeah. but that's not how I perceived it. So, um, and then instantly Aldrin becomes Microsoft technical support. <laughs> yeah. This one doesn't work. You need a new gate. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even bother to tell you there's a kiosk on Mars where you can power it up and be just fine. So is he like, is he clippy? Is he not clippy? Yeah, he's clippy. Are you writing a resume? No, clippy. No. 
No one's writing a resume. <laughs> oh. You're writing a resume. No, no, Clippy, be quiet. <laughs> okay. It's my job. I, I'm supposed to know all the information. I need to. I know. Need know I need to know this. Yeah. Let me you help you, Clippy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only other note that I have here is the uh, the con the coven's power is not connected to the traveler, um, which I mean, we kind of already talked about that. And as far as like the chat uh, ideas from chat and all that, um, <laughs> there was a lot of discussion on the queen, which is really not surprising given how much of an amazing character she is. Um, There's a bit of chat on the Harbingers, uh, obviously, again, just because of the interest in there. I do want to see... I don't think we missed any... There was some debate on whether or not Eris Morn is an Awoken. Um, we, we, we don't know uh, what race she is, Simply because she is really, 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 really pale. Um, yeah. Uh, but she, she's the the argument there is that her reference to her to Mara as her queen um, could be a nod to her being an awoken. Um, which is, I mean, it's it's a it's a very small connection, uh, but there there was that that conversation. As far as from Reddit, um, I did get into a conversation with Captain Kex. Um, we were talking about the – there has been a repeated claim that the Awoken Guardians on Earth is from a scrapped storyline. Uh, that is false, uh, and we we kind of talked about that. Um, basically, numerous employees and Deej himself have repeatedly – just come out and been like no this is not the that's not the case um that was really the 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 different the only the only unique thing there there was there was a there was a really interesting conversation about the communication patterns of the awoken as far as the telepathic blending of technology and the queen's ability to communicate with all the awoken um but it got really really detailed really fast um and i think we kind of touched on that with the his the brother card so i think actually that brings me to the point where i'm gonna say i think we got most of what we talked about nice That's a lot of stuff. I feel like there's a lot more. Oh, and and, and here's here's the thing is, this is only the the tip of the iceberg, as you know, with pretty much every other conversation we've had. I feel like, though, like, since the Awoken are such an interesting combination of two forces that up until you come to the Awoken, it's either you're on this side or this side. Like, there's, you don't really get to choose too much you know in terms of you know like especially from a guardian's point of view mm-hmm. and like with, with the woken since they are possibly a key to resolving this whole entire age-old conflict that there's just i just feel like at some point we might get a lore drop like the book of sorrows in terms of like 
all this other information like how long have they actually been around like they have been around as as you know obviously not as long as the hive because they weren't aware of the technology and the dreadnought but you know like well and we know where we know that the awoken well it was unless you're talking about like a spiritual possession of some kind mm -hmm. like something beyond that inhabited the physical body of them because we well because we know like biologically the awoken have only been around since the collapse right we right, know yeah. that they physically have only been there for that point but i could totally see that being an argument of possibly you know i'm going back to the the first comments that we were talking about with the awokens being an engram you know, part of the decryption of the Awoken problem is the realization that maybe there's something older within them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they are harbingers. Possible. Which is why the queen can possible. command them. Harbingers of the nine. Oh God. <laughs> they, well, and I mean, I, yeah, the harbinger, and harbinger is a, you know, what, like, a literally herald. a harbinger is a herald of what, of something coming. It's, so, it's something that, that announces the coming of something Usually associated with death, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, death or war. Yeah. It, it's usually uh, not a positive thing. Well, the, Otherwise, you would use the, the word herald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the well, cow of the House of Wolves even referred to Mara as two dead souls, too. So, you know, mm-hmm. like, is that point? Like, were they actually, like, you know, a dead entity of darkness and a dead entity of light that now came together and poof, you now awoken? Or, like, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Let's wrap it up instead. Uh, yeah, sorry. We're we're gonna get down the harbinger path. So <laughs> so dangerous. Um yes. yeah. don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so yes, let's go let's go to shout outs. Mel, why don't you take the point of honor and lead us? Oh, you always make me do the point of honor. I'm just- How come well, she gets the point of honor, but I get the conch? And get don't don't start this me. argument again. Okay. <laughs> Not while we have company, please. Oh, jeez. Am I even really company anymore at this point? Like, no, you're 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 family. Oh, okay. <laughs> you kick your shoes off. Oh, I, I I okay. I I don't I don't go from just company. I I go from company to family. Okay, so that yeah, means I can like right. start eating the food out of your refrigerator now, right? Yeah, twice without asking. Twice. I I know where the water cups are without having to go. Hey, where's your cup? Mm-hmm. Like I'm at that mm-hmm. level now. Yes, just okay. don't touch Willie's full throttle. Oh no! And you're no, okay. No, 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 that's bad. Um. Well, first, like always, thank you so much. Um guys for letting me be here and talk about lore and kind of ride with big kids. I feel so special anytime I get to talk about destiny stuff. Um, so um, thank you again so much. Um, big shout out to um, um, Belle. I wish she could have been here because I follow her on Twitter and I really was really looking forward to like talking to her and kind of like getting to know her on like, I don't know, better. I don't know. So I hope you're okay. And I hope everything's going well. Um, everyone that's going to destiny con, 
have a ton of fun because I can't be there. So like either play a crucible match for me or pour a drink out for me or something um, because this guardian cannot attend. So, but uh, this year, next year, but, this year, yeah, this year, next year is a completely new ball game guys. <laughs> so um, anyways, and if you guys are interested in anything I do, I do costumes and stuff. So I know blue is probably going to put all that information on the, the, um, the info about the podcast. Um, and if you guys like watching costume stuff being made, I'm actually working on a Marisoft costume right now. And I've been streaming it on Twitch. So that's a thing. Just saying. <laughs> Amazing. That's it. That's all um, I have. That's all you got. <laughs> all right. Well, I wanted to give a big shout out to our, what we call our mental cartography team, uh, which basically is the team that puts together all the mind maps that we tab or we tag on to the show notes and who, which actually kind of gives a sense of what was discussed in the chat during the week. Um, it's, it's got hyperlinks. It's got descriptions. It's, I mean, they're starting to color code these things. It's gotten pretty crazy and that we, it, it makes our job so much easier um, and just blows me away every time I, I try to get in there and help them. And I'm like, I don't even, I, wow. Um, so thank you guys again for the amazing job. Uh, Green eyed coed and Unisys, you know, those, those are the three names off the very top of my head that come to mind. Um, also the destiny community con convention. Again, I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. Mm. I am actually, that's why we are recording this a day early is so that we can be awake to get on the plane at 5 AM to make sure that we get out there, um, on time. Uh, yeah. So we are really looking forward to that. We are going to probably be hanging out with the guardian radio guys. We'll probably be around that area of the convention most of the time. Um, so stalk us and come give us a hug you'll probably recognize us we might have a t-shirt or two on that will let you know who we are um yeah that's pretty much pretty much what i got for right now i really hope that you guys have cookies in the shape of enagrams at the table i'm just saying (laughs) oh my gosh that's ingenious or just cookies like strange coins (laughs) either or i i I just want that. You're gonna go something Ingram, delicious. It's gotta be cream filled. Gotta be cream filled. Well, but Ingram. Ingram's Ingram's always disappoint you, and I don't. This I don't. is true. So it's gonna be but, a cookie that looks really delicious, but then you're gonna eat it, and it's not gonna be delicious. Yeah. it's gonna be really hard. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to ruin cookies. And then the gold ones will have toothpaste on the inside. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah. Um, just a quick note on the mental cartography team. Those guys are wicked smart. So good job, Hughes. Um, and I'd like to give a big shout out to Mel, not only for joining us tonight to talk Awoken and stay up way too late with us, um, but also for other things, which we will talk about later. Sorry, just... Um, <laughs> you're welcome also it's only 11 o'clock here so it's not that late for me <laughs> oh, okay well just brag about it why don't you um hey guess what it's only 11 here ah uh, yeah it's one 109 for me but uh i would uh i would like to just say um echo what what mel said um 
Sorry, Belle couldn't make it. It's always a fun time when she's on. And uh, it shall happen. Also, yeah, yeah. Um, Mel follows Belle on Twitter, but I will be following Belle in Tampa. So she can't get away then. It's not that easy. Um, and uh, yeah. And then just a big shout out to my clan, DOD Chattawhite crew, and all the people that I hope to meet at Destiny Community Con. It's going to be great. Can't wait. That's it. And also, big shout out to live chat. Thanks a lot, guys. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again to Mel for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. We're really looking forward to having you back again when we can get you get your schedule synced up with ours. Um, yep. Yes, it's in the works. It shall happen. Um, please, please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central. But if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at Focus Fire Chat. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.